Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Judges, chapters 19 through 21. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The same thing happens in the marriage relationship with the in-laws happens among your friends, too. Husbands, don't tell other guys, oh, my wife, man, she burns the eggs every morning. I can't believe her. She can't get the eggs right, ever. Oh, she's so evil. It's like, don't do that to each other. Don't spread things around like that. Because what happens is you huggy, huggy, kissy, kissy, and all your friends, they still remember, man, that woman can't even cook eggs. She mistreats that man. You see? Don't do that to each other. If there's problems in the marriage, what I'm trying to say is allow Jesus to be the king over your marriage. If you have problems in your marriage, then don't call your girlfriend. Don't call your mom. Why not call on Jesus? Give it a shot. And tell the Lord. And you know what happens? God starts working on your heart. Oh, that's kind of not what I want to hear, Rodney. Yeah, but that's true. God starts working on your heart. He starts showing you the areas in your life. And then he works on the other person. Don't pray God work on my husband. Pray God work on me. And then when God starts working on you, then your attitude will change and your heart will change towards your husband, towards your spouse. And God will work on them. See, it's not that hard. God knows that we're not that smart. And so he doesn't give us a lot to work with. I mean, he gives us two basic commandments in this thing called marriage. It's husbands, love your wives. And look, even if you're not married, I'm talking to you, especially if you're not married, you need to listen, listen close. So that you don't make all these mistakes that a lot of us have already made. A lot of them have already made. We have. So if you have any questions, single people, ask all those people out there. But God gives us like two commandments. I mean, think about it. It's just two. Husbands, love your wives. It's Christ love the church, sacrificially. And then, then wives, love, submit to your husbands. That's it. Two. Because God knows we're thick. We don't get it. So we can only handle two things. Husbands, love your wife. Wife, submit to your husband. And if you do that, then you give Jesus the opportunity. Again, not secrecy, submission. You give Jesus the opportunity to work in your marriage and to become the king over your marriage. Amen, saints. Gosh, we could talk about that all night long, but I still have a hundred more verses to go. And so, <laughs> so this father now, <laughs> this father, uh, this father, all right, watch it now. All right. Now, <laughs> don't make me throw you out. Who said that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, now notice it's the father, right? He thought he could be a part of the glue that keeps these two together. And finally, the Levite says, no, I got to go. I'm out of here. He left and the concubine left with him. Verse 10. 
So he arose and he departed and came opposite Jabus, that is, what saints, Jerusalem, with him, where the two saddle donkeys, his concubine, was also with him. And they were near Jabus. And the day was far spent. And the servant said to his master, Come, please let us turn aside into the city of the Jebusites and lodge in it. But his master said to him in verse 12, We will not turn aside here into a city of foreigners who are not of the children of Israel. We will go on to Gibeah. And so he said to his servant, Come, let us draw near to one of these places and spend the night in Gibeah or in Ramah. And they passed by, and they went their way, and the sun went down on them near Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin. Important to remember. They turned aside there to go in to lodge in Gibeah, and when he went in, he sat down in the open square of the city, for no one would take him into his house to spend a night. Which was kind of odd, because culturally you were supposed to take people into your house. Just then, in verse 16, an old man came in from his work in the field at evening, who also was from the mountains of Ephraim. He was staying in Gibeah, whereas the men of the place were Benjamites. And when he raised his eyes, he saw the traveler in the open square of the city. And the old man said, where are you going and where do you come from? And so he said to him, we're passing from Bethlehem in Judah toward the remote mountains of Ephraim. I am from there, the Levite said. I went to Bethlehem in Judah. Now I'm going to the house of the Lord, but there is no one who will take me into his house. Although we have both straw and fodder for our donkeys and bread and wine for myself, for your female servant and for the young man who is with your servant, there is no lack of anything. In other words, we have everything we need. We just need a place to sleep. And the old man said in verse 20, peace be with you. However, let all your needs be my responsibility. Only do not spend the night in the open square. So he brought them into his house and gave fodder to the donkeys, and they washed their feet, and they ate, and they drank. Now, in the days of the judges, Jerusalem was controlled by the Jebusites, and the city was known then as Jabus. When David took control of the city, that's when he called it Jerusalem the city of the king. And so when they arrived in the town of Gibeah, which belonged to the tribe of Benjamin, they couldn't find a place to sleep. In those days, there was no Motel 6, there was no Comfort Inn, there was no Hampton Inn, which is my wife's favorite hotel. None of that was in those days. And so this old man was staying in Gibeah. He offered them a place to stay without charge. Notice what happens. As they were in verse 22, enjoying themselves, suddenly certain men, that would be Benjamites note takers, certain men of the city, perverted men, surrounded the house and beat on the door. They spoke to the master of the house, the old man saying, bring out the men who came, the man who came to your house that we might know him. And most certainly this is not a formal introduction that we might know him sexually in a very, very homosexual, perverted way. But this man, but the man in verse 23, the master of the house went out to them and said to them, No, my brethren, I beg you, do not act so wickedly, seeing this man is coming to my house, and do not commit this outrage. Look, here is my virgin daughter and the man's concubine. Let me bring them out now. 
humble them and do with them as you please. But to this man, do not do such a vile thing. But the man would not heed him. So the man took his concubine and brought her out to them, and they knew her and abused her all night until morning. And when the day began to break, they let her go. Then the woman came as the day was dawning and fell down at the door of the man's house where her master was till it was light. Wow. Notice that. This man, give me your attention. This old man has this stranger in his house with a concubine. And the Benjamites come to his house and they demand the Levite be brought out to them for sexual perversion. Their sin, remember there's no king in Israel. Remember that so you got to keep filtering this one verse throughout your mind as you read the book of Judges, actually. And particularly these last several chapters. There was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And should it be a surprise that their sin has now taken them down a path of immorality and homosexuality? Now, the story's got to sound familiar to you. Genesis chapter 19, same story. Men came to the door of Lot and demanded that the two men be given to them to know them sexually. You know the story. And here we are, because everyone was doing what was right in their eyes. They demanded the man be handed over to them. And the response that Lot had in Genesis 19 is the same response of the old man. He offered them his virgin daughter and his concubine. Now, keep in mind, the Benjamites, uh, these chapters are shocking, Keep in mind, the Benjamites are of the tribe of, you know, the whole tribe of Israel, one of the 12 tribes. So then the Benjamites are, uh, they, they could be classified as believers. But they're acting like the world. Number two, when Jesus isn't king, believers act like the world. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3 through 4. But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be even named among you as is fitting for the saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. So here we have Paul the Apostle saying to us as believers, we shouldn't be acting like the world. And the Benjamites, because there was no king in Israel, and because everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes, they began to act like the world. And when you and I as believers don't allow Jesus to be the king over our lives and to sit on the throne of our hearts, you will start acting like the world. That's why Paul admonishes those in Ephesus, don't do it. Don't start acting like the world. And notice I find what the old man said to be shocking. Did you notice this? He said, don't rape the man, but here, rape my daughter and the concubine. Rape them. That's shocking. 
Now, that tells us two things. Number one, it tells us the mindset of the Benjamites and the people of Gibeah at this time. It also tells us how they viewed women in this culture. How they viewed women. I mean, I'm amazed at the women's libbers. And quick to attack the Bible. They'll tell you in a minute, oh, the Bible is a book that's against women, anti-women. Paul the Apostle was a male chauvinist pig. Women's rights, equal rights for women, feminism. You don't get mad at you if you hold the door for them. It's like, you know, I held the door for one lady one time. I held the door, I'm like being a nice guy, I'm a nice guy, you know. And I held the door for a lady and she looked at me like I had six heads. She's like, I'm like, oh, I, mean, I didn't say this to her, I probably should have. <laughs> oh, you must be one of them women livers. Don't even hold the door for me. I got equal rights. I don't need you to hold the door for me. I'm like, okay, calm down, lady. Calm down. You know, these women liber. The reality is, and when you take the time, hello, turn on your brain, take the time, look through history, you will see. And this is interesting. Wherever the gospel of Jesus Christ has gone, there has been an elevation and a lifting up of women. Throughout history. Go do your homework. Wherever the gospel of Jesus Christ has not gone, women have been hindered and oppressed. Iraq, Iran, India, Saudi Arabia, in the Middle East, women are sold for chickens. Can you, how would you like that? It's like unconscionable to women nowadays. But how would you like, hey, man, well, she's worth, uh, you know, uh, four chickens. Well, no, 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 five chickens. No, ten tops. Ten chickens and that's it. That's all I'm going to give you for her. I mean, this is where the gospel has not gone. Wherever the gospel has gone, women have been lifted up. Women have been elevated. Jesus came, the Bible says, to set us free. And he said in Christ, there's neither Jew, nor Greek, nor black, nor white, nor barbarian, nor Scythian, nor bond, nor free, nor male, nor female. But we are all one new man in Christ. Everybody's on the same level now. You see? Wherever the gospel's gone, that's why the Bible teaches is very clear. Jesus came to be a burden lifter and a burden bearer and not burdensome. Now, we can tell what they think about women in this culture. I got to move on. Look at verse 27. When her master arose in the morning, look at verse 27. If you're there, say amen. When her, if you're there, say amen. And when her master arose in the morning, stop right there. It, it, hello, is this not shocking to you? The, the woman is being repeatedly raped all night long, abused all night long. This is this man's wife. And do you notice what he's doing? Sleeping. Sleeping? Amazing. Notice. So when her master arose in the morning, 
He opened the doors of the house and he went out to go his way. And there was his concubine falling at the door of the house with her hands on the threshold. You getting the picture, saints? If you're getting the picture, say amen. You see this in her hands. She's beaten. She's bloody. She's bruised. This woman is, is, is actually the, later on in chapter 20, verse 5, it tells us that this woman died. So here she comes, she's laying, she's falling at the door of the house with her hands on the threshold, and he said to her, get up and, and let us be going. Okay, Mr. Sensitive of the Year Award goes to the Levite. But there was no answer. And so the man lifted her onto the donkey, and he made, and the man got up, and he went to his place. And when he entered the house, he took a knife, he laid hold of his concubine, divided her in 12 pieces, limb by limb, and sent her throughout all the territory of Israel. And so it was that all who saw it said, no such deed has been done or seen from the day that the children of Israel came up from the land of Egypt until this day. Consider it confer and speak up notice that now as i said chapter 20 it is verse 5 tells us the benjamites raped this woman and she died and the levite her husband cut the woman up in 12 pieces and sent the 12 pieces ups if you will to the 12 tribes why as a telegraph a message and the message was this. This woman was a real person. And Israel should take a grotesque and grisly look at what the Benjamites did. It was wrong and it should be an outrage to Israel. And that's exactly what their response was, by the way. Number three, when Jesus isn't king, you don't care very much. And when Jesus isn't king, you don't love much. Isn't that true? You know, Jesus said a sign of the end times is going to be men are going to be lawless and lawlessness is going to increase and the love of many will wax cold. That's a sign of the end times. You can tell we are living in the end times. Have you noticed? People don't love anymore. And even in the church, we're all talking about we're Christians, but we don't love anymore. You want to prove to me that you're really a Christian and that you're spirit-filled? Let me see you love on people. I don't care if you speak in tongues. Go ahead, speak all you want. I don't care if you get slain in the spirit every time you walk in the church. Walk out by the cafe, fall down, get slain in the spirit. Okay, fine, get up. <laughs> now let me see you love people when you get up. Because... This is the sign. Jesus said that they will know that you are Christians by your. You know that. I know that. And the Bible says that in the last days, love will decrease. People won't be loving each other. Jesus said that's a sign of the last days. But when he is king, you love much because Jesus is love, because God is love. Now, notice what happened. So he said, confer. 
Read the telegraph, if you will. Confer, consider, and speak up. Chapter 20, verse 1. So all the children of Israel came out from, remember I told you, Dan to Beersheba means what? North to south, as well as far from the land of Gilead. And the congregation gathered together as one man before the Lord at Mitzvah. And the leaders of all the people, all the tribes of Israel, presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God, 400,000 footmen, or foot soldiers, who drew the sword. Now the children of Benjamin heard that the children of Israel had gone up to Mitzvah. And then the children of Israel said, tell us, how did this wicked deed happen? Stop right there. I want you to notice something. This is very, very important. This is the first time the people are united. You'll find that in the book of Judges. The first time that the people are united. And the reason they unite is because of the bloody butcher of a concubine. Now, I point that out to you because I see a correlation to the days we live in. What do you mean, Rodney? Well, four things I want to point out quickly. Number one, every man was sinning and doing what was right in their own eyes. And suddenly there's a tragedy and a terrible act of terrorism, if you will. And it got their attention. It got the attention of the whole nation. Secondly, notice this bloody act forced the people to look at their own spiritual condition. And they said in verse 3, how did this wicked deed happen? Number three. Notice it mobilized them to action. And fourthly, this act of terrorism brought the nation to unify. Does that sound familiar in recent history? September 11th? Oh, you might remember. We were a nation that was doing right, and we still are largely, doing right in our own eyes. And suddenly... Something shocked the nation, grabs our attention. The churches are filled up with people, and people want to pray. Oh, you remember the big revival that lasted all of a month? You remember? And we mobilized our troops and the troops of the world into action, and the nations united again. Interesting. Now, in verses 4 through 7, we're not going to take the time to read them. Let me tell you, the Levite rehearses the story of what happened. And then he says in verse 8, look at verse 8. Then he says, so all the people arose as one man saying, none of us will go to his tent, nor, oh, I'm sorry, look at verse 7. Notice what he says. Look, all of you who are children of Israel give advice and counsel here and now. So in other words, he rehearses the story and then he says, what we're going to do. So all the people in verse 8 arose as one man saying, none of us will go to his tent, nor will any turn back to his house. But now this is the thing which we will do to Gibeah or Benjamin or the Benjamites. We will go up against it by lot. We will take 10 men out of every hundred throughout all the tribes of Israel and a hundred out of every thousand and a thousand out out of every 10,000. You notice they've got this involuntary draft thing, 10% of the men of Israel. 
to make provisions for the people that when they come to Gibeah and Benjamin, they must pay all, repay all of the vileness that they have done in Israel. So all the men of Israel were gathered against the city, united together as one man. Then the tribes of Israel sent men throughout all the tribes of Benjamin, saying, What is this wickedness that has occurred among you? Now, therefore, deliver up the men, the perverted men who are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and remove the evil from Israel. But the Taliban uh, would not listen to the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel, and release Osama. That's in my Bible. Instead, the Taliban, children of Israel, Benjamin, pardon me, gathered together from their cities to Gibeah to go to battle against the children of Israel. So the tribes of Israel gathered together against Gibeah or Benjamin, and they sent men throughout all the land and said, Deliver up those worthless men that we may put them to death. But instead of the Benjamites agreeing that the crime was wrong and that the men should be killed, they defended them and prepared to fight. Point number four when Jesus isn't king, men won't admit their failures. Well, that's true. Proverbs 28, 13, this is all I'll say about that. He that covers his sin shall not prosper. Man, Jesus is not king over your heart. You won't even say I'm wrong. You won't even say I blew it. And so what you blew it? We serve a God who is good with people who blew it. That's what he does, and that's what he does best. But you got to admit, when Jesus is king of your heart, you got to say, I failed. And I'm wrong. In verses 15 through 25, if you're taking notes, we're not going to read that. But I'll tell you what it says. As the battle begins to draw near, the Benjamites have an army of 26,000. Israel's army is 400,000. We just read that. Verses 21 through 22, the first day of the battle, Israel loses 22,000, while Benjamin doesn't lose any. Verse 24, the second day of the battle, the Israelite loses another 18,000, while Benjamin, they don't lose any. An amazing upset for Benjamin. Now keep in mind, the tribe of Benjamin has 700 men who are very skilled with a slingshot. They're like sharpshooters and long-range artillery, so they could attack an army before the army could even get close to the city. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.